came down the stairs and one of the people um, came up to me um, and I'll never forget this. They said, great speech. And then after that, they said, you're stepping on the shoulders of old people just to get to where you are today. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Insights with Experts. Joining us here today, we are very, very fortunate to have Mr. Nathaniel Dior. Now, Nathaniel, there's lots to talk about with this guy. He is current CEO and founder of Future Minds Network. Absolutely amazing organization. They've helped over 11,000 young people, you know, tackle youth unemployment, specifically through entrepreneurship. Other than that, I could probably keep talking, talking about Nathaniel for a very, very long, long time. <laughs> he sits on eight non-profit boards. He's a startup mentor in places like UC Berkeley, um, specific initiatives with the UN, and I could honestly just keep talking. And if I did, this interview would probably go on a little longer than we would want. So Nathaniel, I'm going to get straight into it. How are you? What an intro. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Sham. And what an intro. Yeah, I just... I was actually just meaning to add on to that intro. How old are you? I'm actually 19 at the moment. So everything I said, plus 19. So if you would have told me, if you would have told me all of that, uh, and if you wouldn't have told me who it was, I would have probably thought it was somebody who was much older. So wow, that is very, very interesting. <laughs> so I think anyway. what helps is I look much older as well. So so that helps with the storyline. <laughs> so Nathaniel, I've just told you. Uh, I guess like a broad overview of who you are. I've told everyone who I'm interviewing. Could you now tell me what, is, what did that journey actually look like? What inspired you to do all those things, go into the startup scene, you know, specifically found Future Minds Network? Yeah, of course. I think like I always, I always get this question and, and it's so interesting because it really makes me think. Humans are such complex beings and often our journeys are influenced by factors we might have never considered, like culture, religion, upbringing from our parents. And for me, my journey was influenced by all of these things. I grew up as a strong Christian, where one of the teachings I remember is to like love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who use you. And I think this act of selflessness was something that I strongly believed in. But more than that, my parents really taught me how to be kind and persevere when things got tough. I think I always had this, um, I always wanted to make a difference in the world, but I just didn't know how. And so I spent a lot of my time thinking about all these people who are dying in the world every single day and feeling helpless to make a difference there. And so at 16, I started Future Minds Network where you know, we were helping youth realize that they could make a difference. And across our journey, that eventually evolved into the entrepreneurship programs that we're running today, where we help youth avoid poverty through that. And I think, you know, I started from nowhere. And I think today I'm a strong believer that still nobody knows anything. For me, being able to just understand that we're constantly on a learning journey has continued to propel me and inspire me to support more and more youth. Because at the end of the day, I'm very much closely connected to where I came from and where I started. Right. How did, how did you feel? You know, you, you talked about the fact that, you know, you started this when you were 16, you know, how did you feel when, you know, you just saw that number show up where you've 
you've been told you've worked with 11,000 students. You've personally, you can personally say you've helped out 11,000 young people in this world. How did that feel like? The only way I could describe it was amazing. Uh, and I think what makes it so amazing is, you know, it's great. Like 11,000 is a great number, it's massive. But behind every number is a person's story. And behind every person's story is a human being. And I think that's what makes it impactful because it's not necessarily that like, yeah, I've done an amazing thing by helping 11,000 youth, but it's thinking about, these are some of the coolest young people on the planet who are doing amazing things from starting skincare lines out of recycled fruit to creating an app that gamifies sleep to enhance well-being, right? And often we hear about young people in mainstream media and they're talked about as lazy, annoying, not listening to their parents or breaking the rules. But in reality, a lot of these young people are changing the game and they're really exploring all of these ideas, knowing full well that they're going to fail over and over and over again. And so for me, that's the most inspiring thing, knowing that there are other young people who really care about the world, but they just need the tools to actually get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. And I, I like that you said that. I actually read this really, really nice quote. It was on LinkedIn about two weeks ago. And it was actually from someone that we've actually inter interviewed here in the past. And his name is Dan Swift. And essentially, you know, he's the current CEO of Empire Selling. And what he, he said was he was talking about how do we measure success? How, you know, is it how much money someone has? Is it how many friends somebody has? Is it how happy, happy they are? And what he argues is that you measure su success by asking a question. How many lives have you improved by simply ex existing? Because you exist, how many other people's lives have improved? And I think that's something you can probably, you know, talk about quite nicely as well, specifically with what you've done. But yeah, um, I also, you know, really like the heart, the entire mission of Future Minds Network as well, is that, you know, it's I guess it's future minds that you're thinking about the actual future as well. And looking at the remainder of the 21st century, we can safely say that the only constant thing is that nothing will be constant. We know what is going to happen. Yeah. So how would you mitigate this uncertainty specifically with students? What are the skills, what are the characteristics we should gain as of now? Yeah, hundred percent. I think to really give a context um, and, and frame the situation, we're in a global unemployment crisis right now, right? In Australia alone, in the next 10 years, 2.8 million young Australians, that's seven in 10 young Aussies, need to be significantly reskilled because we don't have the skills that we need for the future. Reports by the World Economic Forum earlier this year showed that employers, you know, human or enterprise skills were already three times more in demand by employers than technical skills. And technical skills are all the skills that we're learning at school, at university and our educational institutions. And so as we come to this future, which is filled with uncertainty, one of the biggest things that we really need to focus on and practice and learn are these human skills. Things like creativity, problem solving, communication, critical thinking, analytical reasoning. And these are all things that you can't learn simply from a textbook, but you have to learn by doing. I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and why we use that as the way that we teach students because what it does is it like really allows students to explore all these avenues that they've never done before and really build measure and learn from the projects that they create 
And I think, you know, the next question would probably be, how will people build these skills? And that's exactly how you do it. It's by going out and learning and doing projects and being out of your comfort zone. Because in this future of uncertainty, we have to be comfortable with that uncertainty and be able to adapt and look into new ways that we can do old ways of work. Yes, of course. And I, I'm going to quickly talk about a quote. Um, and I, I, I talk about this quote a lot. I say it a lot. Almost every time the word soft skills or EQ is mentioned, because I think it's a very, very good quote. It was actually the head, the head, headmaster of my old high school. He said that teaching emotional intelligence, it's like teaching somebody how to swim. You can't do it in a classroom. You can't do it in a lecture hall. You have to do it in a pool. Essentially, what we're saying is that you can't tell somebody how to do emotional intelligence with a book or anything like that. You've got to let, let them roll up their sleeves, hop in that experience, and just do it themselves, learn with themselves. That's exactly what you're talking about as well. I think it's just such a powerful message, in my opinion. So, yeah. And, and if I could build on that, that uh, metaphor, like to really elaborate on that, you know, as much as you like can help someone learn how to swim, you can't actually teach them how to do that. You teach them the steps on how they can get there, but it's up to them to continuously practice and get better at swimming. And that's the exact same thing of entrepreneurship. There are steps and there's processes and there's information, but no one can make sure that you're successful unless you put in the hard yards. No one can make sure you're a good swimmer unless you consistently use those steps and practice and get in and out of the pool every single day. Yeah, wow. and I think that's a really nice way to add on to that as well. And I think while while we're talking about entrepreneurship as well, and you know the fact that you're saying it's really a way we can build these soft skills, build this EQ, I wanted to then ask you, to what extent would you then advocate entrepreneurship as you know the main path students should pursue as they emerge into the future? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Particularly of entrepreneurship, I'm a strong believer that everybody should explore it as a pathway. I don't believe everybody should be an entrepreneur. And, I don't, and you know, we often hear that obviously there are barriers and not everyone can become an entrepreneur, which I also don't believe in. I believe everyone can be, and it's really about the passions and skills that you learn along the way. But I don't think everybody should be. And the reason why is because entrepreneurship sometimes sucks, right? It's a really difficult journey. And often in society, we glorify it as a place where you have you know, big money, big cars, and big talk. And you have people trying to sell you things and people making a million dollars an hour. But in reality, it's a really difficult journey to start from nothing and grow into a billion dollar company or, or start Amazon or something like that. I think what entrepreneurship does, what entrepreneurship does really well is it actually gives you an avenue to create and it's actually all about learning by doing and so throughout the process whether you become an entrepreneur or not you'll learn invaluable skills like communication through how you pitch to financial literacy in the way that you start up your own business model and that's something that nobody can teach you just from a textbook something that you have to constantly practice and figure out and i'm sure sham you would have experienced it yourself when you have your own startup there's no guidebook which says follow all these steps and you become a millionaire. And I think that's almost the beauty of entrepreneurship that it's a blank canvas that you can continue to paint. And so for students really exploring this pathway, it gives an opportunity to really open up all the boundaries and just explore what an idea might look like. It doesn't have to succeed, but 
along the way, you'll learn all these valuable things for your future journey and future employment, which you can talk about and use to build your future skills as well. Yeah, and you, you talk about the fact that you know, entrepreneurship, if we just have a look, you know, if, if I mean, if you, you just look at Instagram now, you see all these pages, you see people like Gary Vaynerchuk, you see, you know, these yeah. successful entrepreneurs living this wonderful lifestyle. However, as you said, there's really much more to that the entire journey, how you reach that. There's a lot in there. So I wanted to ask in your journey, specifically, I guess, starting Future Minds Network, what were some of like the ch- challenges, perhaps some of the failures that you came mm. across and what did you learn from that? Oh, wow. There are so many failures. So many. Um, so many that sometimes I forget because along the journey, you almost just become immune to everything that happens. Failure becomes inevitable. And if you wanted to avoid failure in the first place, you would have stopped because you would have realized that and you would have been like, yeah, I don't want to put up with this anymore. I don't want to put up with uncertainty because there is no right or wrong way to do things. I think one example of of failure hard to pinpoint um one that i remember is very early on when i was starting and i never intended for future mind to be a company it actually just started as a passion project of mine where i wanted young people to realize they could make a difference and so at this one conference um we had a hundred students come in from four different high schools um and they all came in to, um, they all came in to learn about how they can make social impact and how they can create projects to build a better future. And so I think one of the biggest mistakes I made then was thinking that I had to know everything in order to run a good conference. Because I put a lot of pressure on myself thinking that, you know, if I didn't do a good conference, I wouldn't be doing it justice. And after the conference, I, I remember thinking, am I the right person to be doing this? Do I know enough? Should I stop here or should I keep going? I think if I let myself agree and say, I'm not qualified enough, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a kid who wanted to make a difference, but I really can't. I have no power. I have no passion. I have no experience. Then everything today wouldn't exist. And so I think one of the biggest failures is admitting to yourself that you are not good enough. And often in entrepreneurship, we hear this thing called imposter syndrome. It's this feeling of being inadequate, feeling like everything you're saying isn't right, feeling like you're underqualified to run a business. And that's definitely what I was feeling then. So, yeah, I I think the main message is just coming back around in a loop is, you know, entrepreneurs are human at the end of the day. And we all feel these feelings. Um, And being able to understand that, you know, sometimes entrepreneurship sucks will really help you along the journey. And looking back to what you said early on in this interview, you'll never stop learning, right? No matter how qualified, no matter how successful you are, you're always learning, everyone's learning. That's what you you were saying, you know, you were under this misconception that you had to know everything. But as Mm -hmm. a person, to that really that's not really what composes a successful entrepreneur that leads on very nicely into the next question i'd like to ask you and it's all about i guess what makes a successful startup what makes a successful Mm. entrepreneur as someone like you who's mentored numerous startups numerous countries around the world numerous organizations what would you say i guess 
uh, I guess, is the independent variable and what has stood out as most successful startups, most successful entrepreneurs that you've seen? Yeah, difficult question. <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I'm an, I'm an international startup mentor in like 30 startup programs around the world. And obviously, like I started from nowhere. I was a startup founder who didn't know anything myself. But one thing that I've really picked up in working with all these startups is, you know, you have like every good idea has five things. So you have problem, a really well-defined problem, a solution, market opportunity, traction, and a team. And these are the things that are really going to help you scale 10x, right? They're the very basics. And it's almost like a classic VC mindset. But beyond that, even if you have all these things, what matters most is the founder themselves. It's their resilience. It's their attitude towards failure. It's their attitude towards risk. And so, you know, there's no way for me to sit down as a mentor or a judge, or even if I was, you know, in venture capital or as an angel investor to say, yeah, this is the one idea that's going to become a million dollar idea in 10 years. And so I'm going to invest it right now. What really matters is being able to connect with the founder and understand that they understand that at the end of the day, they're going to fail along the journey. And so we often hear this thing called pathological optimism. And it's this, the way that I describe it is this attitude towards failure that they know they're going to fail no matter what, but they'll consistently get up again and again and again and build and measure and learn from those experiences. And so that what, that's what really differentiates a good startup from a bad startup, if there even is a definition, in my opinion, is really coming back to the founder themselves and how they cope in times of uncertainty. That's very interesting because there's a big mis misconception. The best startups need all that money. They need all the best tech. They need to be ahead of the market in every way that they can. And I... Uh, I'll pause for a second, right? I'm yeah. sorry? Uh, that's a, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, sure. So I was just, I was just saying because I once watched yeah. this ep episode of Shark Shark Tank, and yeah. Mark Cuban saying that it's not when he wants to invest in someone, he's not looking at that. He's not lo looking at how much money they they have or anything. He's looking at the actual people they are. Is this somebody I want to work with for the next five years of my life? Is this someone I know that is going to cope with uncertainty, as you said, when things you know aren't all going a hundred percent? I think yeah, that's just yeah. Mm. And yeah, definitely. I think like coming, coming back to your point, right. When we often think about um, startups have to have the most funding or they have to have the best tech or they have to have the best, whatever it is, how do startups get funding if they don't have people? Mm. Who's, who are the people raising the capital? So at the end of the day, it all comes back to the founder, right? Because all of the activities that are done by the startups are by the humans behind that. Like it's not, it's not self-operating. And so if the founder themselves don't have the right attitudes when they jump into entrepreneurship, everything they do is going to fail. And at the end of the day, like there's nothing wrong with failure either. I mean, failure is really just another learning experience, which gives you feedback. It's a loop because it tells you what isn't working and what might work in the future. And it's up to you whether you want to continue that journey and explore it. I think the other thing that's really important for founders is, you know, having that pathological optimism, but also knowing boundaries and knowing when to stop because often failure actually gives you feedback, like I mentioned before, around what works and what doesn't. And so if you have this pathological optimism that you're going to work 
and it's going to work no matter what. But you don't change anything and you don't learn from any of those experiences. You're just going to keep driving money into the ground and you're just going to keep burning it up. So it's really important to have a balanced perspective on where do I stop and where do I keep going guns blazing? I want to quickly hop in here. I want, to, I, want to, I want to tell a very, very quick story. And it goes back to exactly what you're saying about yeah. earlier. And even what you were saying in the start about the fact that we never stop learning. Matthew McConaughey, one of my favorite yeah. actors, probably one of the best actors of our time. He won his Oscar, I think it was 2016. And he comes up and he just gives this, this speech. And he talks about the fact that when he was 15 years old, somebody asked him, Matthew, who's your hero? And he says, oh, my hero. Well, my hero, that's me in 10 years time. And then 10 years came, so that same person came up to him and he's like, Matthew, are you, are you your hero now? And then he goes, no, 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 I'm not my hero. And then he goes, okay, who's your hero? And he says, my hero. Oh, that's me in 10 years time. So then Matthew is, and then 10 years into the future, same thing happens. Who's your hero? 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. And Matthew, he knew he was never going to attain that. He was never going to be his hero. <laughs> he was never going to reach that because he's always learning. He's always failing. It's exactly what you, you, you said. And I, th I think about that speech a lot. <laughs> but yeah. Um, really cool pickup. It is. It is a really nice pickup. I just wanted to ask you, um, being somebody who's relatively young as an entrepreneur, have you ever found that age uh, has inhibited you in any way when you've been trying to achieve certain things in your journey? Yeah, 100%. When people look at age, they, I think one of the biggest mistakes is they think age equals experience. And so the example I give is a 50 year old engineer knows nothing more about teaching than a 20 year old teaching student does. And that's simply because of experience. It's simply because of things that people are passionate about and things they choose to explore. It's not to say that the engineer is un unqualified in the industry that they're in, but they're not focusing on teaching. And so when we often look at age and experience, media sort of matches them into the two things. So as I mentioned before, we hear like young people are unruly, they're uneducated, they make a mess. And so often when I've talked to people and I've mentioned my age, they just completely lose interest. One time I was on a stage at an international conference and I was speaking about my work. I came down the stairs and one of the people um, came up to me um, and I'll never forget this. They said, great speech. And then after that, they said, you're stepping on the shoulders of old people just to get to where you are today. You're stepping on our futures just to get to where you are today. And that to me is something that I'll never forget because I didn't start out this journey to hurt other people. I didn't start this journey to ruin other people's futures. When I was speaking on that stage, what I was talking about is how might we connect everyone together so we can create a better future together. Never in my wildest dreams would I imagine stepping on somebody else to get to where I am today. Um, and I think very obviously, as we progress throughout the future, we'll learn from each other's mistakes. And so I get and I understand how that might be comprehended as stepping on other people's get to where you are. But in reality, you know, young people aren't out there to steal people's jobs. They're just out there to get a better future. 
and we've all been young people once, whether old or young or even babies, right? Babies are going to be young people too in the future. And so I think what we really need to do is, is reconsider the perspectives that we have on society. Why does it have to be us versus them, young people versus old people? Why can't it be us together? And so definitely I've encountered that where people have looked down upon me for my age. They've seen age as experience. But I think the biggest thing is if you've experienced that before, just keep going because they're not worth your time and they don't value you for who you are. At the end of the day, we're all humans. I'm a strong believer that nobody knows anything and we're constantly on a learning journey. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you have a passion and you have traction to show it, then you are as qualified as you can ever be to be where you are today. I think that's a very, very nice point because you know you talk about the fact that a student entering this whole entrepreneurship life, lifestyle should not inhibit anyone else from doing that exact same thing. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, why can't the youth and why can't adults work as one? I mean, I've joined hack, hack, hackathon teams where I've worked with people who have literally been like, twice my age and even more and we've still worked as a team very well i've made friends many of my friends now are significantly older than, than mm. i am and i think that's it should be that inhibits students. i think if anything we should encourage the fact that students should be working with people who i guess have more wisdom but as you said does age suggest experience I don't know. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, very, and, very and that's the thing. Like often um, I, I've worked with a lot of young people and they'll say that I don't have much experience in reality. Yes, I get it. You don't have as long, you haven't lived as long to gather that experience, but it doesn't mean you don't have as much experience. It means you have different lived experience. It means you have a different perspective that people have never done before. You know, the reason that young people are so creative is they haven't had the experience to be crushed down by society and have to work in a nine to five job where you're not forced to think outside of the box. They don't have those boundaries yet. And that's what makes it so powerful because if we can bring together people who have wisdom beyond their years, who have worked in the industry and we can bring people who have innovative ideas on how we can shake up that industry and combine those two things together. The future is so bright on what we can create. It's all about how can we work together rather than how can we compare two different ages or generations and see which one's better we don't need to we can work together to make a better one nathaniel i think it's i think this has been a really really nice chat and i think i'm just going to end it off with one question it's the exact same question that we ask literally everyone that come comes on here essentially what that question is is if you could leave the youth with just one piece of advice what would that one piece of advice actually be I think the biggest advice that I would give to youth is just try. Failure is inevitable, as we mentioned before. If you make mistakes, that means you're actually trying. You're trying different ideas. Some will work and others won't. But if you're not making any mistakes, if you're not failing, you're actually failing to fail. So one of these has a 50% chance of success, fail or succeed if you try. And the other has zero. But either way, you're still failing. So when we approach failure, really, it's just another word in the dictionary, and it's up to you to define it. Thanks for listening in. This podcast has been brought to you by Desera, a platform designed to bridge the gap between the youth and professionals. You can read more about us at desera.org. 
And you can also check out the section titled Insights with Experts, where you can submit your questions that you might have for future experts and industries that you would like to learn more about. And you can also refer in any experts that you might know yourself.